Joe presents Swanee's Cricket Show, together with Rubicon. Episode 6 of Swanee's Cricket Show together with uh, Rubicon right here on Joe. He is Graham Swan. Smoke machine still broken. Smoke machine still but broken. But there we go. We're going to roll with it, aren't we? Shocking, right? I'm Nick Bright. Come on, let's get in here. Let's sit yeah, down. Let's have it. Come on. I'm in a good mood today, Woo! Swanee. I'm in a great mood. And there's no guesses why because we'll go into more depth in the second Bangladesh half of the show. Be doing well. That's why you're in a good mood. <laughs> England, come on! They're back! They're back! I know, wasn't it brilliant? Just to see, I'll tell you what, who would have thought two years ago that Jason Roy would be a national treasure? But he is. Jason Roy came back with one cover drive in about the third over, the whole country. Oh, here we go. England are back. They're playing with a bit of confidence. Do do you know what? I was so nervous going into the game just because. Imagine, it's been built up before the start of the World Cup. You know, everyone's England the favourites. The dampest of all squibs. been a disaster. Wouldn't but it? one thing it does show is that England, they are rubbish when it doesn't matter. Let's face it. <laughs> Jason Roy's not fit and the game's not really a knife-edge job. They're terrible. Awful cricket team. Get them on the line. 50-50. Have to win. Jason Roy's back. Unbeatable. Yeah. Johnny Bairstow versus Michael Vaughan as well. That's a, that's a kind of sideshow that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Yorkshire, Yorkshire, Yorkshire. <laughs> Do you think it's a little bit unnecessary or uh, does that stuff kind of go on? No, I'll tell you what it was. Johnny Bairstow sat down for a roundtable media conference. You get taught this when you do media training when they're trying to turn you into a robot right. for England. And <laughs> they, they say, you read out these simple words and these ten people will show you how differently that will get written up. And so it's, you don't say anything controversial, basically. The tabloids will hype it up, they'll look for a headline. The broadsheets will ask about your school you went to, stuff like that. Yeah. And poor old Johnny, he's trying to make a joke. He's not a funny man, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he's gone for a bit of a laugh, a bit of a joke. He, I swear, he didn't mean it in the way it's come out. But the way it was portrayed, even I read it, it went, Johnny, what are you talking about, you nutter? <laughs> um, and then Vaughan jumped on it. But it did him good, didn't it? I think Michael Vaughan is actually the cleverest man in the world. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Oh, 2005, he won the Ashes because he could get inside their minds. Well, he, he, Bearstow, back to him, he's done the talking with his bat now, as you're saying, yeah. and it was a great innings from him as well. It was. But to be honest, I'm putting it in front of every press conference now. So talk about <laughs> Brexit, mate. <laughs> talk about immigration. And then he'll put his foot in it, and then he'll have to get 100, and he will. You so. told me Brexit was banned on this show. Only, only when Johnny Bearstow comes into right. it now. <laughs> OK. Uh, well, there was a players-only meeting as well, which we've spoke about on this show in the past. Yeah. I, we, we, I put it to you about players-only meetings. Well, you and, said, would they have it? And I I said, I don't think they will this time. But they did, so I know nothing. Great. Um, <laughs> but they needed to do it. They needed to be honest with themselves and say, look, are we being true to our game? No. What are we going to do about it? Very simple. Get Roy back. Yeah. yeah. Roy, we believe. Come, Roy. Love you, Roy. I th- I, anything you want, Roy. Anything, Jason, I'm yours. Well. <laughs> we, apart from Owen Morgan, who's a skipper. Yeah. In your opinion, as an ex-player and also now a pundit and a commentator, who are the leaders in this England team? Well, Josh Butler is, um, you know, the two of them together, captain, vice-captain, very good. Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes' batting has been sensational. He's been the one consistent thing. When they've been playing badly, he's been taking the the anchor role that Joe Root when he fails. And the other day, when he needed to, batted brilliantly, scored quick runs. Ben Stokes, he's my hero. And he's still the best fielder in the world, even though Chris Wokes... By the way, what a catch. What a game you had. <laughs> Nicest man in cricket. They're all trying to outdo each other. Yeah. I love it. Back to England winning the World Cup now, then. Absolutely. Is that where we are? Absolutely. No one can touch us. It's in the bag, it's coming home, etc., etc. England, this England cricket team would win a Marvel film. I tell you, they'd beat the <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> You heard it here first. Uh, right, each week on the show, Swanee, we have a guest. Yes, I'm uh, excited this week as well. I'm excited as well to hear the stories, because um, straight away when you when, when you walked in and saw each other, 
Swanee was off. I mean, it's like, if, if you could see the behind-the-scenes stuff that happens on this show... I'm it, just very tactile. That's what I can say. <laughs> Swanee was off. But let's get on with it, because this week we are joined by cap number 654, scorer of more than 16,000 career that runs, well, former Middlesex and England opener, Nick Compton's here. Yeah. Come on, Nick. Yeah. Good to see you, Nick. Mate, great to be here. God, you can tell, I tell you what, straight from Safari as well. That's oh. brilliant. <laughs> oh, He's left his elephant gun around the corner. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get the summer sale at H&M, did I? Thank you, Liam G, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you opened the batting as well, you know. I know, they your guns. It's the, it's the forearms, not the yeah. guns, the Wait, forearms. The fo- look at that! Yeah. Oh, when my, you did my, that! My best wow. feature, there you go. Have a look at that. Golf ball. That's the golf ball. Look at that! We should do, like, a best feature show. Oh, that might be coming up. Rocket! <laughs> right, let's find out a little bit more about you, delve in a bit, because you were born in South Africa. I was. Hence, um, you could play for England. But, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> let's get there. Let's how, deal with it. Come how on. big was the cricket in Bug where you were growing up in Durban? Well, I think South Africa, I mean, as you know, it's a sport-mad country. I mean, rugby, cricket being the mainstay of, of the country and, and all the supporters, they're very passionate about it. And I think I grew up in, in that sort of environment, you know, close to the beach, you know, hot summer sun and... You know, I played all the sports growing up. Sounds terrible. Sounds I know, awful. right? I know. What are you doing here? And then I came to, and then I came to London and was like, <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> no, but look, I... I wow. <laughs> Sorry about that, London. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most beautiful capital of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, and I had a great you know, upbringing. I sort of had 15 years in South Africa, but obviously was born to sort of an English family and uh, grandfather was in England, so I came and visited him, I think more as a sort of 12, 13-year-old, was walked around Lords and... You know, I like that his grandfather. Just drop it in there. Just drop it in there. President yeah. Lord, Den- Dennis Compton, yeah. the, the he, man himself. He, he yeah. wasn't bad. He yeah. wasn't bad. But I, I guess as a youngster holding his hand, walking around, you know, my eyes were like sort of massive sort of footballs. And I thought, wow, I mean, if there's a place to want to do it, it's here. And, yeah. You know, getting to know others uh, that spoke and regaled stories about him, you know, my sort of ambition grew. And I thought, wow, I'd, I'd love to come here. And I think it was within time I came over, played some sort of age group stuff with Middlesex, and then I got a scholarship to, to Harris School, by chance. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good, a good school. Yeah, not a bad one to go to. Uh, when you got that scholarship, by then were you totally focused on becoming a cricketer? Yeah, I think from about the age of 12 or 13, that was my ambition. I, I was fortunate. I played with Hashi Mamlo, who's obviously the, the, the South African cricketer. We don't we, talk about Hashi Mamlo on this show. No, sorry, <laughs> no, don't we? Don't no. we? Okay, he we'll once came on. out to bat with no beard. By the time we got him out, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, no like beard. That. 300 <laughs> runs later. Oh, my God. That was the Oval, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. I'm still <laughs> twitching. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the elbow went, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Ooh, skipper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, look, I had, you know, he, he was, he, he's a great guy and obviously been a great cricketer, but I, I think when I came over, I think those were kind of the start. 12, 13, came over, saw Grandad Lords, and I thought, this is what I want to do. So it was about that time. Well, you mentioned the legend, Dennis Compton. Yeah. Did you feel extra pressure going to play for Middlesex, um, uh, which was his club? Yeah, it was his club. Uh, you know what, it was only when I went to Somerset, which was about sort of seven or eight years later, that I kind of perhaps realised then that perhaps Lords did have a bit of an impact in terms of being at Middlesex, the stand. You know, I put pressure on myself wherever I went. I'm not sure it was Middlesex. I mean, I understood my grandfather's prowess and I was very proud of that. But I, in my own right, I, I was quite ambitious. So 
did it have a big impact? Perhaps. I think Somerset was where I really sort of found my feet as in terms of myself and my own game, and, and I probably fitted into the the setup there, you know, a lot better. I, you know, I think the cricket, the, how the club set up, were very different, and I think going down to West Country, although there Close wasn't, the a, beach wasn't well, a huge amount to do there, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was near farm animals and crickets. Then so. you missed London, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, then you I, missed I, it, I did, yeah. yeah. Loves London. I really. do really love London. Let's be honest. Okay, I do love it. Um, yeah, so I think there were there were quite different. And, and, and Swanee will know, I mean, Middlesex, we don't own the ground. It's the MCC's ground, so yeah. we sort of borrow it. So, yes, we get to play there. It's an incredible place to play cricket, but it's not your ground. You don't leave your bags there. You're sort of living out the back of a car. It's a, it's a very different dynamic to, say, a, a county who own their own cricket ground. Right, I see. So that you didn't really feel any pressure carrying the Compton name then? Well, I, I, dealt with it. I thought I dealt with it by and large quite well. I think people sort of maybe look at, you know, way I played in, in certain ways and go, oh, you know, he's, he can't deal with the pressure and grandfather. But I think that was more my own pressure. You know, I, I, I sort of was proud of the fact I had this grandfather and, and maybe those stories of seeing him going out with a, a sort of tuxedo, arriving yeah. late for cricket matches. And you Which, sort of by the way, that, is it was awesome. pretty cool. Oh, your yeah. grandfather loved it. Yeah. But, you know, the very fact is, no matter what you did, no matter where you were, no matter how much that went quiet, someone's always going to bring it back up. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so you had to deal with it. Yeah, and it, yeah. it went on a bit. I mean, you know, it was it was nice. I mean, how nice to be stopped by a sort of 70-year-old lady who came to Lords and said, I remember meeting your grandfather. And, you know, to be honest, why would I bemoan that? That was great. I mean, look, there were times where you got naught and you just wanted to leave and get in your car and go home. You <laughs> yeah. know? Granddad never you did know? that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> he he did and I was cut from a different yeah. club. I mean, I, I sort of preferred the sort of straight bat and he preferred the cross bat and, and probably entertained more. And, and could I live up to that? Perhaps not. I mean, I was my own man. I sort of had to get comfortable with that. But uh, there's no doubt that my favourite players, the likes of Brian Lara, that, you know, seem to be entertaining players. You know, whether that came from from the stories of granddad and wanting to be so like that. It's in the blood, isn't it? It's in the blood. But I, I realised that, you know, maybe my entertaining would, would come in a different way. I, I sort of had different attributes, which are more fighting qualities and, and sort of try to hold innings as together rather than, you know... Do you think you could have been more successful if you'd been born Nick Jones as opposed to Nick Compton? No, I don't. I mean, no, no one wants to play for Wales. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm joking, Wally. You're out there. I only got a contract with Middlesex anyway because of my name, so probably not. No, I probably had no chance. <laughs> well, let's, let's switch it to kind of your playing days yeah. now. And When Andrew Strauss retired... Did you see that England opener's job as yours for the taking from that moment on? You know, I sat down with a a mentor of mine and and a coach and we kind of looked at the time where, no surprises, 2020 cricket had really come into the fore. Players like Joss Butler, Jason Roy, these young guys were coming into the game and that was the form that they were pretty adept at. I I think I realised my qualities were more in the four-day test cricket. That's what I grew up watching. That's what I wanted to be. So I was sort of stuck and like a lot of players are thinking... Do I swim upstream with the rest, rest of the fish or, or do I sort of go in, a, in an opposite direction? And at the time, if you looked at it from a business perspective, trot and cook in terms of putting your money on someone to bat for a day in English cricket were about the only two you could, you could really depend on. And I, I went on the journey to be the third guy who could do that. And that was as simple as that, really. And I sort of set my stall out in terms of my preparation, my training to be that third guy. And, you know, as it happened, you know, Players get injured and, and Strauss retired and, and I, I was the guy scoring the run, so I got the opportunity. So and what I, we're seeing here very differently is that he actually thought about things. That means he's very different <laughs> yeah. from the majority of young players now. They just go, I like white balls, yeah. I hit them for six. Yay. But players are getting stuck now. You know, I look at a lot of young players in terms of if I speak to them about their cricket. I mean, there's three forms of the game. There's a lot of money in T20 cricket, T10 cricket, the 100 ball, but then there's test cricket and it's... 
Where's the top three? Yeah. You know, there aren't many top three batters yeah. out there, and there's no surprise. I find with, like, T20 and everything, there's a lot of short-termism, and people think yeah. there's yeah. quick money to be made. Yeah. The long haul, if you get into... I say this all the time now. First-class cricket, if you're an opening batsman, at the minute, if you're a top three batsman scoring runs, you're playing in the ashes. Definitely. In mm. county cricket. And yet, no-one's no one's just standing up and getting 100 after 100. People, the people don't want to go through the tough times, do they? Because they go, harder. you know, why would I get 20 off 100 balls yeah. and then I nick off and I get out? And no one likes that. There's yeah. no glamour associated with, you know, the coaches and the, and the top of the tree aren't really looking for those qualities. So it's hard to kind of stay strong through that. There's no glitzy after, no. after match counter championship parties, put it that way. But it's strange because I don't, I don't want to talk about this subject too much because loads of people do, yeah. but, but it's strange how whenever I speak to you, Swanee, or, you know, previous guests on the show, you guys rant and rave about test cricket, how Everyone much loves you it. love test Everyone cricket. Loves it. But then this new wave of cricketer that's coming yeah. through now... You're seeing their head being turned by things yeah. like the IPL. By, it's happened you know... for a long time. My fear at the minute, actually, is that a lot of people are trying to write off Test cricket and let it be quietly forgotten. It won't be. I'm sure it won't in this country because it's massive. The county championship still means a hell of a lot to the people who play in the county championship. Yeah. Yeah. And playing Test cricket for England, trust me, is a thousand times better than playing one day or T20 cricket. Even this World Cup. Imagine like the feel-good factor of those players the other day beating India, which is a brilliant win. That is, isn't even a tenth of the feeling of winning an Ashes Test match mm. or winning an Ashes series. So, and the players know that, and it, it gets regaled down. My worry is that there's not as many stories getting re- regaled down. The likes of Jimmy Anderson retire, mm. like the new bowler in might be a death bowler specialist. Yeah. Oh, let's play in the Test match as well, <laughs> yeah. Osgood Yorkers. Yeah. So, 20 years' time, who knows, when Wilfred Swan's captain of England, he'll bring Test cricket back. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you better, yeah. else you're not having that other bedroom. <laughs> Take it off, you can have the box room, mate. Yeah, done. Yeah. Do you guys think then, if we've got having amazing ashes in the not too distant future, that could spur the next generation of yes, you know absolutely. cricket fans? But well, they, you, they go played, hand in hand. You've played in a lot of successful Ashes series, and I, I guess the big one is 2005 free mm. to air TV. I mean, that, would that be the big point? Massively. Yeah, it must be because that free to air TV. The last day, or one of the days at Old Trafford, I think it was, mm-hmm. 13 million people watched that game. You know, when he, uh, Australia saved the game, yeah. Michael Vaughan said that was when they won the Ashes, yeah. when they celebrated not losing. He told his team, look at that balcony, we're winning this Ashes. The whole country was mad for cricket. Yeah. Trafalgar Square, ticker tape parade when they won that. Because it hadn't been done for so long and Australia were invincible. We then won a lot of Ashes series after that. And nowadays the team's about 50-50. You, know, you, don't, you can't pick a winner beforehand. Before you can always pick a winner. The next Ashes when we won at home, 2009, as opposed to 13 million, 1.3 million people watched the last day. Really? Which is the Andrew Flintoff run out. Graham Swan bowled unbelievably all day. (laughs) (laughs) Not many people saw it. I was there. I was there. But only 1.3 million people. And there'd been a load more money coming into the game since then because of satellite TV. So the game was healthy, Mm. but straight away the figures weren't. And then there's been a slow decline in people who see the game. That's why I'm massive for this World Cup. If they do get to the final... I've said it before, government should say, right, any world event that your national team's in is on free-to-air TV. Absolutely, yeah. And they subsidise the satellite networks who do a great job for the game. Well, we're seeing it with the with the lionesses in the, exactly. in the football at the moment, aren't they? Are they, they going to win the World Cup? Well, potentially. Are they going to win the World Cup? They're, they're, they're playing tonight. So if we're recording this, they're playing they're tonight. Phil Neville. You know. <laughs> I got you out for 41 at Dartford Festival once. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely open. Phil Neville was a hell of a brilliant opening. Both bat. of them played, though, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, Phil, yeah. Was, yeah. Phil was the one. The left-handed bat and then opening. He was a brilliant player. Brilliant all-rounder. Swanee's got stories for everyone. It's like, you bring up the name and Swanee's got a story for it. It's, it's ridiculous. I haven't got one for Tom He's Chichnick always got him out as well, hasn't he? But what's, it like? what's it like playing with this guy? Funny. 
Really funny. I think, I, look, I, for me, when I came in, it was um, quite a settled team. You know, they had some fantastic players. I think for me, I was just excited to be a part of that team and that first series that we played and where Swanee obviously basically won it for us in India, beat India for the first time in 28 years. I mean, just to be a part of that, to be able to stand at the other end, opening the batting with Alistair Cook, who had a fantastic series. I think that would be my greatest moment. And I think to be around someone like Swanee, who did bring a lighter sort of nature to the dressing room, to put it mildly. I mean, you and Jimmy used to play your guitar after wins, have a few beers. I think that was something that, you know, I suppose Swanee will look back and say, those are the memories you, you remember. It's winning with your mates, you know, exactly. it's having those memories to share. And I think, you know, winning that test match in Mumbai, winning that series. That, and, that, after that test in uh, Mumbai, that, we sat in the dressing room for hours, didn't I know, we? it was for incredible. Hours. And, like, we won fairly... Like midday, so you got to see the Wankini Stadium. Great name for a stadium, by the way. Um, but it's an amazing stadium. It's like a cake bowl, and it never gets hot in the training. You've got big open veranda doors, with just beers and singing and big comfy was, couches. It was big... amazing. It was a brilliant five or six hours with your mates having just won a series, or on the brink of winning a series, just won that test. Yeah, it was a good moment. And then one day cricket rubbish. <laughs> I want to find out about a career highlight from you. 117 against New Zealand. Is that your career highlight? Dunedin. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was in Dunedin, yeah. I would probably almost go back to that Mumbai game because I think I'll actually just regale a bit of a story. Obviously, Graham Gooch, the, the great England batter, was our, was our batting coach and we had about 56 to win, I think, in the second innings, midday, as Swanee said, and... I could feel padding up for that second innings, you know. And 56, I mean, you know, we, we, sh- we were going to win that, but it's always a bit of an iffy yeah. score. You don't want to mess around too yeah. much. People have messed it up. And not, and not being a player that sort of, you know, was known for going out there and, and being David Warner-like in test cricket, I, um, I remember Graham was sort of hovering about a bit. I could feel his energy. And I went up to him and I just said, Graham, don't worry, mate, this ain't going to take long. We got this. And he was like... Great. I mean, I think to sort of go out. You there, did, you went out special. Oh, I just, you know, I just played a reverse sweep. I came down the wicket, got yeah. lucky, plinked one over the top, and, you know, suddenly we'd, we'd won, won the game. And I think to walk out there, come back, my first test win, yeah. you know, Mumbai, back to the levels, level of the series, that was probably the biggest moment. And then, of course, you know, your, your maiden test century in Dunedin. My dad was there crying on the boundary when he got it. It was a bit embarrassing. But, um, you know, I think that's a moment that, you know, he was staying in a caravan because you couldn't get room anywhere. Really? So it was, yeah, it was quite funny. I had an almighty row with him the night before. I mean, we, I think they got 400 or something. We, we had a nightmare first innings, bowled out for 160, I think. They got 400. I was standing in the field. I had massive toothache. <laughs> so no one knows this. I was actually in a... I had a root canal surgery from 8 till 10 the night before our second innings. No way. And I got back to the hotel. Dad wanted to say hi to me. I was in a foul mood. I mean, I was like, you know, I got... I got naught in the first innings, and I thought, this is this is my last test innings. Yeah. I mean, you know, I sort of, you know, did okay in India, but, you know, the intro route was coming, and it was all kind of... And I thought, this is my last innings. And I woke up the next morning, and I remember Mark Borden, the psychologist, saying to me, if you're a man in the crowd and you got an opportunity to put on an England shirt... What would that chance look like? And I thought, you know what, I want to go and play. I want to play a cracking cover drive where the crowd roar. And I'm in an England shirt. Alistair Cook's at the other end. I just want to feel that. And I went out there and I felt really kind of relaxed and thought, you know, to hell with it. And, I mean, you know, once things got going, I got off the mark and I was away. And I suppose that was... Did you play that cracking cover drive, though? I played a few, actually, yeah. mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Borden, you're my hero. Yeah, well done, exactly. son. <laughs> Lovely that man, by the way, Borden. He was a good man. Lovely Very fella. good man. So that was, that was definitely up there. Did Borden ever do with you the hypnotism tape? 
He did, actually. Yeah. He did, yeah. So he said to me one day, because I, I barely used him, and I used to go and have a chat with him. He says, there's no real point, because you don't take anything on board. But I did. I, I, I had my method, because I was old and I played a lot of cricket. I knew what worked for me, and I was stubborn. Mm -hmm. I thought, I don't really want to mess with this. But I went to him one day, I went, look, I really like this bloke, and I, and I feel like I'm letting you down a bit, because <laughs> but with one area, I, I want to test 100. I really want to test 100. So let's do some work with my batting. It was at Loughborough. <laughs> he went, come with me. It was a beautiful day. Honestly, I remember it. Birds, <laughs> sun shining, birds singing. You can just hear students in the background, lovely. Or frolicking in the, in the, in the undercroft, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I laid there and, and he says, right, we're going to do hypnotism. And he put this second, and he said, have you been hypnotised before? I went, no, I've not. And I'm not sure I can be, because you know when they say clear your mind? Yeah. All I can hear is a voice at the back going, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to yeah. So I lay there and I thought, I'll give it a go. And I had this, and he did this little thing and he spoke to me for about 45 minutes and he went, one, two, three, you're back. How do you feel? And I went, I listened to every word of that. I swear I wasn't hypnotised. <laughs> and the next time I went out, but something happened, because the next time I went out to bat, I felt like I was going to fall asleep. I was a non-striker then, and they had these cue words come up with, like, go to your happy place and all that. And I, I missed about three runs. I was just sitting there going, Never got a test under, by the way. No? No. no. Didn't happen? Didn't happen. Mm. High school was 12 after that. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. 12? It's a joke, Nick. Right, OK. <laughs> Just checking. Never know if you tail enders, mate. <laughs> low, uh, mid, low mid lord, I think. Yeah, or rather, yeah. <laughs> right, let's try and bring it back. How disappointing for you, Nick, was it to miss out on the 2013 Ashes? Yeah, that, that was my biggest disappointment. I, it was about five days to go, and, you know, I didn't account for myself very well against uh, New Zealand in that series. And, look, it, uh, it was an interesting time when I came in. I was 27, 28. You know, I... I kind of done it the hard way. I'd, I'd performed well in county cricket. I came into the environment. Joe Root and I got picked it in that first series in India and I got selected ahead of him. What a mistake they made there. You know, what were they thinking? But, of course, he was going to be a good player. There was no doubt. You could see from the moment he walked in. I just felt, I guess, having had a bad test match at Lords in particular and then I sort of batted quite slowly in the second innings at Headingley. And I... I just sort of felt like, like, I'm a bit out of touch here. I'll spend some time at the crease. Alistair Cook was going great guns. We were going to win the game anyway. But I didn't realise when I came back into the change room kind of the larger impact it had. You know, and that was probably my first kind of idea of, of test cricket and, and the media and, and, and everything getting on the back of it. Because I just thought, well, you know, I've played like that before. It's a bit disappointing. I'll be fine the next game. But we game. got Hammond in that. Press Hammond us in that game, didn't they? You and Trotty especially. Because we bowled them out and we could have been forced to follow on in the first innings. Yeah. And the press... And I work in the press now, so I can say this very... <laughs> the press all fancy a day off. And right. it, if we'd have been forced to follow on the feeling was we'd roll through them. And, but it, it nearly always came down to the bowlers. The captain come on, Cookie yeah. especially would go to me and Jimmy and say, what do you think? And I went, gut feeling. We bowled them out very cheaply there, still a decent pitch. I think we should bat again. We've got a long time left in the game. Mm. Sunday weather forecast. We won the, we're going to win the series. We should bat. And then if it rains, it rains, but then we'll bottom out. So mm. we, you don't even think what the press might think. So we did that, and there was that we went out that evening, and the press just thought, well, if they're batting again, they've got to score 210 overs or something. And we just went, no, no, we bat normally. And so Trotty and Compton went out and batted sensibly, and they absolutely nailed us in the press. I think and, I... and Andy Fowler the next day was really riled by it, and he had to go at somebody, and there was all this, and it was raining. And then we actually got out to bowl and bowled them out. And I remember Jonathan Agnew, when I was in Perth not long afterwards, the great Aggers... Me and Brody were walking back to the hotel and he said, can I have a drink with you boys? And sat down. And he went, why is all this animosity between the team and the press at the minute? And I said, it's because you all wanted a day off in Leeds when we were just winning the game. We were being ruthless. And it, it wasn't the, the batsman's decision. It was me and Jimmy basically said, no, we should bat again.
And he wouldn't have it. And like the press, of course they wouldn't have it because they would say, no, we didn't want a day off. We just want England to win and be yeah, a better yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was definitely 50 50 there. No, look, and, and I think, yeah, coming back to that, basically. Yeah, right? yeah I, I think that at the same time, I mean, if Alistair Cook was going slowly and I was going slowly, it would have looked poor. But the fact that he was he, he went pretty quickly, I think he got 100 in that second innings, and, and he hadn't scored many runs in that in the series either, but he went out there and played really well. And I thought, well, it gives me a chance to just kind of spend a bit of time. I haven't... And, uh, yeah, and then you get back and Trotty did the same. But we won the game, sort of, yeah. we had an afternoon to spare and what have you, so it was fine. I mean, we, we sort of dominated that series. But I think that was the first insight to... And I also, I didn't, I didn't actually field in the last day and I suppose I've always been someone who's prided himself on, on facing fast bowling, getting out there, toughing it out and holding things together. And I, I got hit by Ashley Giles in my, in my rib on the first day when it rained. Innocuous. He, he bowled sort of... Doing throwdowns, this is. I mean, it was yeah. slow. And I sort of went through too early on a pull shot, hit me, and I was like, oh. And I thought nothing of it. And about three days later, I, c- I literally couldn't get up off, off my hotel bed. And I said to the doctor, I'm not sure what to do here because I literally cannot... Breathe in, I can't throw. Went to have a scan. Uh, he thought there was a little hairline fracture and uh, maybe there wasn't. It was a deep bruise or whatever, but I don't think that counted very well for me in terms of not fielding. And I felt really unsure what to do there because, you know, in a test match, you don't want to stand at backward point thinking if a catch comes, I, I can't move. So yeah. I just think it, it sort of played against me. But I think what was disappointing is that I didn't take my opportunity. I, th- I think that was the chance to... If I just played OK in that series, I think I would have got the opportunity to open the batting there. And I sort of still felt that I was the right guy to open the batting at the stage. I thought Joe Root going up to open, there was no need. I thought he was doing well in the middle order, keep him there, still a young guy. So that was my point of view, but massively disappointing, you know. I think you, you dream about playing in series like that. You mentioned um, impact on your career and, and, and stuff like that a little bit earlier on, but where were you when you heard about the death of Philip Hughes? I, I was in England. Um, I was back at Middlesex. Um, I'd lived with Phil in, in London for when he came to play for Middlesex. I played for his club at Western Suburbs and we spent a lot of time together. And I was in London and I got a call. Yeah, I was pretty shocked. And, and I remember just thinking, I need to get out there. You know, he was, you know, I was close with his family. I'd spent a lot of time with him. And, and I suppose as a guy, he was, he was very different to me, I have to be honest. But I think that's why it worked. He was mm. such a kind of dynamic sort of free sort of flowing, uh, particularly as a player, but as a character, you know, nothing really phased him. He was, a, he was a fun guy to be around. He definitely got me out of my head sometimes. And, yeah, that was, that was shocking. I mean, yeah. it, really, it really took me by, you know, and I think going to his funeral and seeing the wealth of support and, and everyone there really opened my eyes. It was, it was incredible. How did it affect you... No, I mean, personally and, and, and on the pitch. On the so. pitch, I don't think it really affected me in terms of it was a freak accident. You know, it was something that he could have practiced in the nets, and I don't yeah. think he would, it would have happened. You know what I mean? He might have well, gone could have, been, could have been bruised, hit hundred times the same sort of spot. It, it, it was a complete freak. So, yeah. I mean, from that point of view, it's just one of those things. You, you know, I, I think it probably made me look at the way I played my my cricket and what I wanted to do. But I, I was just sad. I think I yeah. was really down and sad to have lost a friend, lost a guy who I thought still had a huge impact in the game there's no doubt to me that he would have worked it out and, and played yeah. many years as an Australian opening batsman mm. right you are watching and listening to Swanee's Cricket Show here on Joe together with Rubicon now don't forget you can watch uh, and download some of our other shows uh, including House of Rugby with James Haskell and TKO with Carl Frampton and this week the boxing boys have been speaking to Tommy Coyle beaten recently in New York about his boxing future I love fighting. I, 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 I don't just say this for sound bites, by the way. I don't just say it because it sounds good in interviews. I genuinely fucking love fighting. Mm. It's hard for me to do this interview because I genuinely, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. And it's quite upsetting, really. Honestly, it, it's hard. 
because I, I do want to carry on fighting, but I want to be around for the next 50 years as well, you know what I mean? Mm. My dad don't want me to fight no more. He said to me, is that the last one now? And, yeah, I'm sure the kids would love me to spend more time at home as well. So I think everyone's for me retiring, and maybe I will. All I've done every single day for 23 years is go to the gym and have a fight and train and that. And fuck. But you can't do it for another 23 years, Tom, I and that's the thing. At some point, it has to come to an end. Like, not not going down the gym and what, and not coming near with all the boys and stuff. No, he's, he's hard. That's Tommy Coyle in a very emotional interview about his future on TKO this week. This, however, is Swanee's Cricket Show. I'm Nick Bright. Alongside me, Graham Swan, of course. course, Uh, And the former England Test opener, Nick Copton, is here as well. There you go. Right then, uh, Rocket. (laughs) You ready for this? Rocket has been doing a minute with our guests. Last week, Charles Dagnall revealed his love for funk and creme brulee. What will Nick's choices be? It's time for a minute with Nick Compton. Rocket. Right, 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. Your time starts now. Cricket World Cup. Uh, Lords. The Oval. Flintoff. Sledging. Graham Swan. Best bowler. <laughs> Wazim Makram. Best batter. Uh, Jacques Ellis. Best ever cricketer. Jacques Ellis. Career highlight. Uh, winning in India. Career low light. Not being picked for the Ashes. Pressure. That game against New Zealand. Film. Gladiator. TV program. Game of Thrones. Music. REM. Song? Rihanna. Well, what's her latest song? Animal. Got to be an elephant. Car. Ferrari. Food. Vegan meal. Dessert. Vegan <laughs> dessert. Cho- cho- chocolate brownie with ice cream. Cartoon. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy show. Nice. Best feature? Oh, my arm. Worst wow. feature? <laughs> my worst feature? Zero. Uh, my feet. Time is up. That Absolutely is it. Good. Come on. Come on. Nice and rocket. Nice rocket. Ren and Stimpy. I know, that's a do great shout. I do remember yeah. Ren and I don't know what came to my mind there. I thought, well, there's so many others. But... I, I remember Ren and Stimpy watching it as a kid and, and, and it being... You know, they're, they're going to that weird animation. Yeah. It, it looked quite <laughs> scary. Dark. Yeah. 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 Darkness to it, didn't it? I really it? remember that. Uh, right. have, you, have you done a minute with Rocket yet? I haven't done a minute with Rocket I think Rocket we should yet. definitely get Brighty's minute with Rocket. So <laughs> I just want to know your car. I want to know more about you. <laughs> so, I want to know your car and you'll say, something like, I don't know, Fit 500. Hey. <laughs> All right, London boy. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it on another show. Yeah, vegan? Sorry, Vegan? Mate. I don't know what came over me there. I'm not vegan, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm, I, 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 Sorry, you don't have to defend yourself. A lot of people are. <laughs> you're, not, not, you're not anormal. Like, anormal? <laughs> anormal. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, should we talk about the World Cup? Yeah, we do that? All right. Um, we're, we're into the crucial games of the World Cup now, so I feel like it's all starting to come together. But actually, Nick, Firstly, actually, can I just say India's new kit... I'm a massive fan of that. Yeah, are you? A massive fan of that. I'll tell you why. Because, you know, it's like bright day glow orange on yeah. the back. Stands out a mile. Whenever you drive to a game, for a World Cup or anything, there's always a car or two or three cars broken down with cricket spores. Always. Really? And if it's like English cricket spores, it's normally like a middle-aged, frumpy woman like having a go at her husband because he's not got the jack in the car or something. <laughs> Sat on the verge, two kids, eating egg sandwiches, moaning. <laughs> If you ever see Indians, it's always in, like, MPVs, and there's always ten of them, but they always have <laughs> the kid shirt on. All of them. And now, safely first, <laughs> you can see it from miles away. It is brilliant. Don't no, walk on the hard shoulder, though. Yeah. But it is, I tell you, it is brilliant. I, I was driving up to um, Edgebaston when uh, India were playing the other day, yeah. 
and like stop at the service station, go to the toilet. I reckon it took me 25 minutes to get back to the car, selfies and everything. Did Just you? the whole place full of Indian <laughs> cricket shirts. It was brilliant. <laughs> Gotta love India, haven't you? Oh, brilliant. That's India, but England, Nick, what have you made of, of England so far in this World Cup? Look, it's been a bumpy ride, hasn't it? I mean, you know, coming as favourites, we, we sort of expected them to carry on largely in the way that they have been over the last two years, playing on shirt fronts. They've gone out there, Roy, Bairstow, all the likes of it. They've really dominated one-day cricket. I think them having had a bit of a stumble up until this point, up until when they beat India, was a real worry. I mean, yeah. I sort of sat there and thought, we're not going to qualify here. No. Yeah? I mean, India are the strongest team, along with Australia. And it really didn't look good. And New Zealand have obviously been quite consistent over this World Cup. So it wasn't looking good. But I think what happened two days ago, beating India, the fact that they've managed to turn it around, I think Roy, you know, at the top of the show, talking about, you know, the impact he's had. And I think the likes of uh, Liam Plunkett coming. And I can't really understand why he hasn't been there. I think... I think he doesn't really draw the glamour. But you like me, they've got they went away from all the bits and pieces Things that, that made them, for them. One. And also the they other the other them. thing is is that what's been so good about English uh, one day cricket is their strength and depth. That's what they have over a team like India or Australia. Mo and Ali hasn't really scored any runs. Look like looks like a walking wicket. Almost looks like a tail ender, unfortunately, yeah. for a guy who's a good batsman. You take Plunkett out of that, you certainly yeah. got quite a long tail. Yeah. So they've almost changed the whole balance of the team. And I'm not saying Jofra Archer's ruined that he's obviously been an incredible find you know he's obviously very exciting gonna we will play in the ashes this summer no doubt about it however it's not as simple as just bringing yeah. him in at the last minute well i said this the, you know yesterday I mean? on the radio joff rach has had a brilliant world cup and england i think are a better team with him in it if you can find a place for moeen ali bowling well and batting well and liam plunkett yes the problem at the minute for me mark wood is bowling like a dream he looks gorgeous with a great rhythm. Mm. You can't really drop Woody. Mm. Liam Plunkett has to be in for the record he's got. Over the last couple of years, he's a world leader in taking wickets yep. in the mid midsection of the innings, yeah. which is gold dust for That's captain. Yeah. And Moeen Ali and Adil Rashid work better as a partnership. Either one alone, if they play on their own, the they team will be vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And so it's weird that bringing Jofra Archer has been sensational, and yet the game against New Zealand coming up, I'd leave him out. Would you? To get Plunkett playing, so I want Wood to play. It's his home ground. I want both spinners playing because it will turn. I was at Durham yesterday. Spin. It will turn. The quicker you bowl, the easier it is to bat at that place. I think that's a great call. Um, definitely and I give him a rest. I mean, yeah. he, I'll tell him that. You're having a rest, mate. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're not dropped. <laughs> you're our <laughs> best, yeah, you're best yeah. bowler. The classic. But just this one. You're our most... Oh, we would leave Woody out, but, you know... He's <laughs> <laughs> no, not as strong as you mentally, mate. Yeah. You um, mentioned Jason Roy. <laughs> both of you have, in Sir fact. Jason. Yes, yeah, Jason. <laughs> Jason. Would, would you open with him in the Ashes? Oh, don't get me on that one again, oh, Nick. Oh, here we Stop go. Doing, you don't pick players for five-ball cricket, fresh cricket, on the base of one-day cricket. We are not a tabloid newspaper. I'm not going down that road. No. <laughs> Unless he's scoring runs, then I'll have him in, because he's sedated. <laughs> I, I, if he's the best option out of the whole country on red-ball cricket, yes, I'd pick him. If he's not, I'm not going to go, well, he did well against the white ball. The only issue we've got, I, I th- and I agree with Swanee there, I think it's, you know, he's not opened the batting for Surrey for a length of time. He's not scored runs in red ball cricket. So I, I, on that premise, I would say no. However, if you look at the other options, there yeah. aren't many. Mm. And if you're going to say, right, if we give Jason Roy a year's opportunity versus, I don't know, let's say Keaton Jennings, shame that he bits brought into it, but who's going to be a better player? Yeah. You're kind of going with Jason Roy on the fact that he's, he, he likes international cricket. He clearly is up for the fight. He's a winner. He's somebody who, who faces fast bowling regularly. I mean, on that premise, 
I actually would do that. Yeah. And I'm going to almost take a bit of a chance that normally I'd go the other way and say, no, needs to go back and needs to score his runs. But ideally, I'd have him in the middle order to start. You yeah. look at Ponting, started at number yeah. six, you know, Michael Clark. These guys came in at number six, wow. and, that, and that would be the so ideal the reading ground. Used to bring him in at six, then move him up to three. Then As we know, our, our middle order is jam-packed. So. Yeah, this is what takes me back to the point I made earlier. County cricketers, young lads, batters, top three batters. Get some runs. Get some runs. For, <laughs> I mean, crying out loud, there's, a play, there's ten years of international cricket there for you. Go back to the nets. Put your vodka down. Get out of the nightclub. Work on that forward defence. Yeah. yeah, go for another lap. Come on, like I used to. <laughs> Rihanna at the Riverside as well. Did you see her? You, you saw didn't even she... win, though. I mean, you got you can't not win if she's come to watch you. I mean, Look, to be honest, I mean, why do you think she turned up? Because you were there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> she's a massive fan of my undercutter. I've heard it. I've heard it. She, she often phones up asking about my wrist position. I've heard she's a big fan of Swanee's cricket show. Huge. That's what the producers are telling me. Oh, brilliant. Um, right, fellas, we need to get outside to the bat fast set up. Oh, yeah. Who have we got this week? Another well, 150 well, mile an hour bowler. We'll you talk about that in a minute. Right, come on, let's get out there. Come on, boys. What are you doing? Let's have you. Right, Jason from Batfast, grab that. What's happening today on the strip? We've got Mitch Stark against uh, Stokesy from this time last week in Swingover. It's a beautiful yeah. delivery, that. Oh. Broke, it broke a million hearts. It really did. 1.3 million people who still watch cricket. It broke their hearts <laughs> on the telly. Still going to win the World Cup, though. Right, I reckon we should get straight into it, then. Well, right. if it's Stokesy, I'm batting left-handed, then, if it's ball to Stokesy. All right, you do what you want, mate. All right, nice one, Jace. I'll leave you, you to, uh, to get that sorted. Chance. I'm going to hide behind the net. Come on, this one. What have you got? I'm not bad left-handed, I won't lie to you. I was probably supposed to be left-handed. <laughs> Aim for right. the toe. Aim for the toe. Here we go. I've got clammy palms, I might lose the bat here. Here we go. Oh, he's gone! Look at that! Gone! Straight into middle stump. That's well bold, that. Unbelievable delivery. Get them bells back on. Do you want to face it twice? I'll do it right-handed as well. Don't change it. Don't get on your little buttons and try and change it now. I've had me sighter. I've had me sighter. Look at him, he's doing it as well. He's putting an extra 20 mile an hour on it. I just the bells back on, right? Swanee. We've reset it. Hopefully, Swanee, you can get some bat on it this time, mate. I was trying left-handed. It's the best bowler in the world. That was your error. Right, here we go. Mitchell Stark's running down. Here it comes. Bang! Same result. The exact same result. Two out of two. You know what? Really? It's good enough for Stokesy. It's good enough for me. <laughs> All yours, compa. Oh, wow, gee. Okay. Go on, Nick. Shut that down, mate. So, huh? Swanee bowled That's both times. Bowled both times. I'm going to go left handed oh, as well. Oh, look at that. I like that. I think I probably was meant to be left handed as well. And now, Nick. You look better left handed. Compton yeah, is at the crease with his golf ball forearm. There we go. Come ready on. Ready to go. Come on, Starkey. Come Machine's on, buddy. warming up. Here he Show comes. Me the best you've got, yeah, pal. Which will start running down. Let's come. Here we go. Oh. It's not bad, that, is it? No See, what I'll it, say is... Didn't, didn't didn't right. Come on, Starkey. Come on, buddy. Right, here we go. Got Level you right now. I'm not sure uh -oh. we have. No. Jason from Batfast has got a grin on his face. Shut up, Warner. Right, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Oh! oh. He's bold. Gone. I love that, though. No. See, that went for the ramp. I had no chance. That's the modern, <laughs> that's the modern player. More balls. <laughs> Went for the round, um, but it backfired. Yeah, what I will say is that was Shocker. brilliant. Well bowled, Mitch. Um, I was just, quite nervous there. I could be honest. Hey? Yeah, just, I've got. I've got to do it. Last week. My toes were like going this you way. You should have been here for Joel Garner week. It's <laughs> a joke. You imagine what happened? Yeah, there. I'm still limping. <laughs> uh, right, let's get back in the studio, fellas. Come on. 
Well, this is the bat we just used. It's clean as a whistle. Yeah, where's, where's the camera on? Is it on? You can win this. If you write in, send two grand. Um, <laughs> cash. Use fivers, brown paper bag. Never You can used. come in, face the bat fast machine. If you can hit that ball, you can win this bat. <laughs> two grand cash. <laughs> Just put a little scribble on it, corner of each note. Untraceable, thank you very much. Right, we need to delve into the world of uh, Rubicon's urban cryptionary now, a celebration of all the weird we and go. wonderful terminology used in the world of cricket, and there is loads of it. Uh, each week, we give Swanee or some cricketing terminology, and he's got to come up with a great story okay. to match it. Uh, okay. This has been good so far, because, as always, you've got stories for days. Okay. The first one, walking wicket. Okay, a walking wicket is basically someone who just get he walks the wicket and he's going to get out straight away. My favourite, Ashwell Prince, a very good player, Ashwell Prince. He came to Notts and he left himself quite unpopular by not fielding a ball properly right. at the end of the season. Cost us a one-day <laughs> tournament, we all thought. I went on the tour to South Africa that year. I wanted to get Ashwell Prince out. I bowled five balls at him in the series and got him out four times. No <laughs> so he was my walking wicket. <laughs> we played Lancashire first game of the season for Knotts. Freezing cold day at Old Trafford. He came into bat and I was going, oh, Swan, here you go. You'll get him out first ball. Coldest I've ever been. Didn't want to bowl. I was like, it won't work. Come on, he's your walking wicket. I ran up and bowled the filthiest half volley to him. First ball, nicked it straight to no, sleep. It, oh, it was gold. No. He gold. would have hated that as well. I know. He would have hated that. Rabbit it's not, pie. It's not, not like a South African term to be a walking wicket. Remember <laughs> Daryl Cullinan and Shane Warne? Do you remember that? They don't like spinners. No. Rabbit pie is next, mate. Rabbit pie, quite simply, rabbit pie is what um, when bowlers feast on the tail to get their figures up. So when you've got three wickets and they're eight down, suddenly a bowler's got a bit of fresh energy. Jimmy Anderson, basically, f- fifers every week, trying to catch me up in the fifer race. Just go for rabbit pie all the time, talk Straussy off. <laughs> unbelievable. Jaffa. <laughs> Jaffa, quite simply, an unbelievable ball. Like, like what you like, just faced. Like, like that was like the That's ball Stokes he got, or the Jaffa of all time, Wazim Akram to uh, Anand Lam. Which, which you've also faced from the Swung back. Swung three machine. different ways, yeah. didn't yeah. they? <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, Defy yeah. the laws of physics. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how he did that. I've got a great story, I don't think we can say it. It was CGI, I heard. <laughs> uh, you can say the story anyway, go for it. No, I don't want to get sued, mate. <laughs> Simon. <laughs> he said say it. You're not paying me enough to say that one. Show pony. Show pony, right. Show ponies, every county has one of these. Every club side, you know a show pony. You know the lad. Might have been to a nice school. He might have been six months in South Africa. It used to be club players go to South Africa come back and they'd have a Castle Lager shirt. You didn't have sponsors at the time in England, but he played club cricket with Castle Lager on the back because his mate played for Western Province. And he struts around, he has his pads done, tight two straps, bottom strap loose, so they go out like that. Yeah, and he's, he's, that was Surrey. Yeah, that was yeah, Surrey, Surrey, mate. Collar up, starch, stiff starch, basically. <laughs> Oakley's on, not even batting his Oakley's, this kid. And he's absolute pants as well. And you know, he's a show <laughs> he'll, leave, he'll leave his first ball like this, he'll go... <laughs> and strut around and he'll get out and everyone will just go absolutely bonkers because they've got that twat out. The bats fourth for old Pudlians or whatever down the road. Oh, everyone knows a show pony. Everyone loves it when they get out. <laughs> right. Well, on that, on that uh, bombshell, I, th- I think it's time for us to uh, call the end of the show. Nick Compton, thank you very much. Come on, Nick. Enjoy this week's games uh, and don't forget to catch up with House of Rugby and TK. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Go on, Nick. Go on. Go You've been listening to Swanee's Cricket Show on Joe, together with Rubicon.